Welcome to the Lounge. Today I've got Craig Campbell on. We're talking about his game, Die Laughing, which is kickstarting right now as you hear this. Um, we also chat about capers and game design and a bunch of other great stuff. I mean, you know how I do it. Hey, as a reminder, Bree Sheldon's turn has officially kickstarted as well. I, I let her know that I'd remind everybody, so. But check out Craig Campbell here on the lounge. And I'll, I'll chat with you after. How's that? Sound sound good? So really, this starts out with uh, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm about a little over a well, you know, like a week from right now as we're talking. Um, I'm gonna be like, you know, in that moment where I'm like, okay, Kickstarter goes tomorrow. <laughs> you know, how much how much more do I need to stare at this thing before I'm satisfied that it's I'm ready to push the button? So I'm. Uh, I'm relaxing. I'm. Uh, I have. I imagine I will get more and more nervous as the days pass here. But uh, I'm doing okay. How are you? Oh, I'm. I'm good, man. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I've been. Uh, I, had a, I had a little bit of break from from doing interviews uh, as I went on multiple vacations, uh, and um, with my funds depleted. Uh, I've now managed to do two interviews in two days, which has been very exciting for me because multiple so, vacations. That sounds like a that's a rough life there, man. Well, multiple weddings, I should say. Oh, uh, okay. I call them vacations because we went to another place, um, but it was <laughs> uh, in, in, in that we vacated our home. <laughs> sure, and that's about it. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's kind of nice to be be back and like this past weekend my wife and i really didn't do anything um actually fun fun fact uh my mother had never seen any of the harry potter movies um and so my wife uh showed my mother all the harry potter movies this past weekend (laughs) Um, wow i kind of came in and out as i was doing other things but uh nice and relaxed but uh and she really liked them. She it wasn't like, oh yeah, I just spent, you know, sixteen plus hours watching stuff, and they're those are dumb, you know, or anything. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and now you're as as we talked a little bit before the recording started, you're between Kickstarters because you just did Capers. Um, yeah, and, just fulfilled that. Oh, most of it, I've got like, there's paper minis and maps that are still kind of being worked on, but the bulk of the game is is fulfilled the book you know the game book is out there all the pdf support stuff the the playing card deck and um yeah i'm kind of like that's wrapping up and i'm seeing people saying hey look at me i got my book and they're posting things and um onto uh, you know hooking me in on twitter and whatnot and i'm getting i'm seeing that happen which is 
like one of the best. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me, one of the best things about making a game is when people say, "Hey, I got my book. I'm getting ready to start the campaign." And I was like, "Campaign? That sounds great." <laughs> um, and then, you know, in a week or so, I'm <laughs> to another Kickstarter because I'm a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it keeps you. Is he? Is that is that the right thing to say? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's like Capers wrapped up before Halloween, mm-hmm. and the new game is a horror comedy game. And I thought, well, if I don't kickstart this, um, you know, starting right around Halloween, then you know, I, I could do it at a different time of the year. But like, it's right there, and the game's done. It's ready, and Halloween is right there. Right. So, if I don't do it now, it's going to be you know January, or January or February of next year, and and those aren't as uh, as spooky. So, yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean February tends to be not all that spooky. No, February sucks. I grew up in Wisconsin, man. February, ugh, oh, February blue always, just terrible. I'm in Western New York, so uh, I wouldn't say you're necessarily preaching to the full choir, but uh, we we have an idea of the tune you're singing. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's it's cold and snowy and just nothing's nothing's good unless if you're an outdoorsy, you know, like uh, wintry kind of person, then there's stuff to do. Otherwise, you got to be an indoor cat and you know watch like you know, all the Harry Potter movies. That's back, right. Back to back, so. Like like do do all those things. Oh, how how wonderful has streaming made being a homebody? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I cut I cut the uh, cable cord. Uh, Year, year ago, year and a half ago. Nice. And have not looked back. It's been pretty sweet. I'm just on the Netflix and Hulu and the Amazon, and I got Sling to get me a few other channels and, and some, um, uh, you know, just kind of your your networky kind of stuff that you can get. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a little weird. You know, I'm still kind of like, you know, every time I watch something on TV, it's like, okay, got to start up, got to click, got to find the thing, click the thing, wait for that to load up, da, 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 you know. Whereas with TV, it's like you turn it on and boom. You know, hey, whatever, whatever channel you're on, there's the thing. Yeah, but, it, but but even like I don't know. I I guess I guess I've always been like the person that um, you know. Back in the day, I had tons of videotapes with like you know. Don't tell me when to watch a thing. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it when I want to watch it, and I'm yeah. I'd be searching through you know episodes of Super Friends or something, um, trying to find whatever new thing. I had recorded on that tape and um, now it's just like, ah, oh. yeah, I, we, we cut the cord almost two years ago um, because we were fortunate enough to get uh, high speed internet in our area. Um, okay. by, by high speed, I mean vi- uh, fiber. Yeah. Google fiber here too, baby. Yeah. And it's, um, it's actually not Google fiber. It's a local company. Sure. Um, and they have since kind of stopped expanding because they had too much call for it. So it's like, oh. so people get mad. They're like, well, you, why, you know, you're lucky enough to get it and nobody else can get it now. And, you know, but, um, but I had been canvassing the streets in freezing cold February and March, you know, putting door hangers out and talking to neighbors and stuff, getting people to sign up. So. Uh, you know, I, I, I happily did that, uh, you know, cut the cable cord. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Do you now, when you're writing, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any distraction that you, you do? I know some people like music. Some people actually like to have like 
TV or something on? Yeah, I'm a I'm a child of the television. Okay. Um, and so a lot of times what I'll be on, like if I'm when I'm when I'm game designing whatnot, um, whether it's prepping for a game that I'm running or designing um, my own RPG or you know even occasional freelance stuff, um, it's usually like I've got the television is on to something like TBS. Okay. Um, in the evening where it's like they have just, you know, it's just half hour show after half hour show of like Seinfeld, Family Guy, American Dad, you know, shows I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen all these episodes. So I, I don't find myself sitting there wanting to watch the whole episode. Right. Like the, the episode's on and I'm like, oh, I know this episode. Okay. And then I start paying, I pay attention for like, you know, okay, I'll watch this scene because this is a great scene here. Um, I usually, or, or same, sometimes movies too. I'll throw in a movie here or, you know, find a movie that's on that's like, oh, I've seen, you know, I've seen uh, Lord of the Rings a billion times. I don't have to sit there and watch every moment, but I can put uh, Fellowship of the Ring in there. And Do, do you have any like go-to content that, that like when you say, uh, when, when, when those moments hit where it just won't flow, you're like, if I put this on, I know it'll help. Um, like getting around writer's block kind of yeah. stuff. Um, well, here's the thing. I've, um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say I don't run into writer's block because I do certainly, sure. but I don't get all worried about it. I usually like, if I, if I'm not, if something's not gelling in my head, I just set it aside for a while and I go yeah. do something else for a while. I come back to it. Um, you know, I jot ideas down when I'm at work or if I'm out somewhere, I just, you know, I, I, I email I email myself all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I just like oh, there's a sentence that just popped in my head. It's like I got to do this. Click it, click it, click it. And I send myself an email, um, and then it goes into a you know, a to do list or something like that. Um, when I have a freelancey kind of thing where you know you now you're under a deadline, mm-hmm. um, I I get away with not getting too worried about that because I am really anal retentive about getting out in front of my deadlines. Oh, okay. so I, I, I am not a person who does uh, does the work in the last week. You know, when I've got a month to do something, it's like I'm if I've got a, a month, you know, like I signed the contract and I have to turn it over in a month. I'm done in a week and a half or two weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I can let it sit and and kind of brew in my head and I can come back to it a week later and, and revisit it with kind of somewhat fresh eyes. And, um, you know, I might find like, oh, OK, that's phrase terribly or I just came up with a better idea and so I tweak that and but I don't uh, I manage to avoid um, being right down to the wire on stuff and then with my own stuff um, you know it's just me with Nerdburger Games so I'm just like I'm making a game and I just like it's done when it's done yeah you know I get when I get the game to a point where it's like okay it's ready <laughs> or you know there'll be a point where like I'll start planning like you know five six months in advance. Okay, I I I I'm reasonably certain that I'll have this game squared away for a Kickstarter in this month. Yeah, you know? and then I can work toward that. But usually that's like when that happens, that's like I'm in the last round of playtesting. Okay, and where I'm I'm reasonably certain that okay we're just gonna fine tune some things, and then I'm gonna spend some time doing final tweaks, and I'm going to give the whole thing a development pass. Uh, or an editing pass, kind of just go through and just clean it up best I can, and then it's going to go to an editor because I do my I get my editing done before Kickstarter's happen, um, so that I've got a manuscript that's ready to go into layout as quickly as possible, so that I'm not busting my hump 
um, <laughs> during and after the Kickstarter. I want to like, like after the Kickstarter happens, like the stuff that I'm doing is pretty much done, other than maybe kind of tweaking and fi- you know uh, fixing up some of the PDF support stuff. Like if I've got some adventures or something, I'm formatting that. Okay. Um, but I'm mostly just managing. Like at that point, it's like okay, I'm making sure the artist is working on stuff. I'm giving them feedback. I'm art directing. Um, I'm getting, um, you know, I'm, I'm giving information to the layout person and, and getting uh, examples of what they're working on and providing feedback and just, you know, be, I go to publisher mode and just kind of manage everything. That's that's fantastic. So you you can you can switch the the hats with with relative ease. Then it sounds. Like. <laughs> well, when I did murders and acquisitions, I had to switch the hats just like because like oh my crap, I got to do this thing. Now. I don't know how to do this thing. Um, I kind of know what it entails, but I yeah. didn't really you know I hadn't done it myself. <laughs> you you defined so that. It was you know, it was trial by fire. <laughs> um, with capers, it was it was more you know it was smoother. Yeah. Well, now you're so um, the the three games that we're looking at uh, are mm-hmm. are are very different um, in in a lot of ways. Um, Murders and Acquisitions is one of those games that I always look at and say, "Oh, I, I have to play that sometime," um, but I haven't had a chance to. Um, a lot, of, a lot of people say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's I you know. Well, let me ask you a couple questions about it, just because. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because now I'm thinking about it. Is it the kind of game where is it more for one shots or is it more for long term campaigns or short term campaigns or? Well, it's it's built to be easy to do as a one shot because the system is pretty straightforward. Okay. And the setting of the game is pretty straightforward in that it's like okay, it's the modern it's modern day. But everything's blown up and you know kind of over the top and exaggerated. You're working at an office and everything's super cutthroat and um, and you know and people are just you know really after each other, right? You know everybody's trying to rise up the corporate ladder by whatever means necessary. So you just you take the modern day and you put that weird absurd spin on it. Um, and the game system is fairly straightforward um, and, and easy to learn. The the game is, is designed in such a way that you can, you know, play characters for an extended period of time. Not super long, but, you know, you can certainly play, like, a short campaign. Um, I have a feeling that it probably sees more one-shot play just because of the nature of, like, it is really... All of my games are niche games, but that's might be the nichiest of the niches. Sure. Where it's like, you know, hey, here's this game about beating people up in an office. Um, that'll be fun for one session. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's there's probably some people out there who have played multiple sessions or a little campaign or something. I've I've run a little campaign myself. Um, uh, you know, obviously, um, one would hope anyway. Um, <laughs> I've never. I don't know. I've never run. Yeah. I've yet to talk to that designer who's like, I don't know. I've never played any of my games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've run a lot. I haven't played a character very often, um, but I've, I've run plenty, but yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's one of those games that has, that certainly has that, uh, that one shot appeal because it is kind of weird in that mm-hmm. respect. It, it doesn't like, you know, pick another pick, pick, Pick a category. I mean, what's 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 the genre for that game? I mean, like that's it's hard to lump it in with like, oh, here's five other games that are kind of like it. Right. Um, right. You're not going to say like, oh, if you like D20 Modern, you'd like this game because, well, first of all, I don't know anybody that likes D20 Modern, but 
Um, <laughs> I played uh, some Tony Mod. I actually, yeah, I played a bunch yeah. myself. I. Uh, I actually didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did. Um, I was kind of going for the low-hanging fruit there. Now, okay. by contrast, though, like then you've got Capers, which is thematically pretty specific. Um, but yeah. you don't categorize this as a superhero game. Um, no, it's. I mean, the game is. It's called Capers. It's. Um, it's a superpower kind of character. You know, the characters have superpowers, but it's. It's a 1920s you know, roaring twenties gangster game mm-hmm. um, where the characters happen to have superpowers. Um, I started out designing what I considered to be kind of like a period piece supers game. And I came, there came a point where I realized maybe a th- quarter to a third of the way through my playtesting and development process. Where I was like, this isn't a supers game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a gangster game. All the stories are about gangster things. They're not about supers things. They're they're about gangster you know they're gangster stories, sure. um, pro- prohibition stories um, where the characters happen to have superpowers. So that like kind of informed the design decisions moving forward. And you know I, I still you know I get talked to about it. People people call it like oh it's a superhero game set in the 1920s. Mm, not really. Yeah. I mean technically you could play law enforcement characters and kind of play like superheroes where you're just running around stopping all the bad guys. Um, but it's really a you know. A, criminals and coppers um kind of game mm-hmm. where and you've, and you've got superpowers but they're not like world bending superpowers they're all kind of street level like x-men b team um kind of stuff so there's you know, nobody's uh causing the world to uh you know spin the other direction on its axis or anything ridiculous sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so no. Yeah. There's not anybody like like pushing the moon out of orbit or anything like no. that. Yeah. Um. It, which is which is cool. I I enjoy. So, uh, you know, I, we talked about this before the for recording as well. Um, I, I have I, I like superpower and I love superheroes, comic books, superpowers, stuff like that. But then like at some point that wasn't enough for me. And I started just, just deconstructing everything about that. Um, and so I ended up learning a whole bunch of stuff about the people that created the books and the history of the comic book industry and all this other stuff. And then like trying to understand like what the different elements that go into it are. And I feel like that's kind of what you did is you took this era where the, of great turmoil, um, which, which oddly enough, comic books kind of came about because of pro- prohibition in a weird way. Um, and you added into it the fact that some people can, you know, uh, uh, engulf their hands in flame or something like that. Bend um, a tiny gun in half. Yeah, you know, like like the, the idea of, of inserting these, these extra normal abilities into this point in history that we kind of have a different kind of understanding with or a different kind of understanding of, and then turning that into like, how, how would that be different? Is something that fascinates me anyways. So um, I've actually been, been really excited uh, to follow capers. I actually missed the Kickstarter by just a little bit. So, um, but I will be, I will be picking this up. Uh, in a short amount of time, I get all the superhero games eventually. <laughs> um, not that this is a superhero game, but um, there you go. 
but I dig that idea. And where did that where did that come about from? Um, it was one of those things that like I did. We got to kind of go back to mergers and acquisitions for this, sure. where I did that game, and it's it's a modern day setting, um, and the the basic rule set is pretty light because yeah. it's it doesn't have any fantasy extra stuff in it. It's just kind of like things that people can do in normal life. Sure. Um, but I thought I would expand that out so that you can have other options. And so there in, in, in M and a, there's like five chapters of other stuff. There's like a chapter on magic and a chapter on monsters and there's future tech and some other things. And so it was kind of like, so that if you want a world that has some of that stuff in it, you could take the magic and monsters and make like an urban fantasy corporate America mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you could have, you know, you can mix and match these rule sets. And so I got done with all of that and I was, you know, or actually I was kind of, you know, wrapping that all up and I was starting to think about like, well, what, what else, what do I want to do? What's, what, what else is there? Kind of what interests me? And I was like, well, you know, I just did a game that technically has magic and has monsters and has future tech and has cosmic horror and has an apocalypse in it. So I was kind of like, well, what if I do something that isn't one of those five things? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Um, And I, so I bounced around a couple ideas and I kind of settled into supers um, and I'm a, I'm a fan of, you know, the, the, the Marvel supers, you know, the, the Marvel movies mm-hmm. and some of the, you know, the TV shows and things. Um, and I'm not a huge comic book reader. I have read some here and there, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm not steeped in it like some people. And so I was like, it's not going to be like a modern day classic superheroes and supervillains, capes and cowls kind of thing. Um, because frankly, there's, you know, 40 of those out there. Sure. Um, so I need something that's got a little bit of a niche, something that's a little different, something that might attract some people and say, oh, hey, look at this. Um, so I bounced around you know, to different periods of history, and um, it was actually a, uh, a rewatching of M- uh, Boardwalk Empire from HBO uh-huh. that kind of sparked the, the, the Prohibition era thing, where I was kind of watching that, and I was enjoying it, and um, I had seen it before. I was it was like it was a rewatch, and I find myself, you know, my mind just wandered because I was coming. I was thinking about supers games, and um, I was like, well, you know, what if uh, you know Al Capone, besides being just like this incredibly violent guy, was really, really strong, <laughs> um, and really, really tough. Yeah, and you know, just like letting my brain kind of float on other some of the, some of those other characters. And so I just started toying with the idea, and um, uh, you know, I, I slowly kind of built the very, very basics of it. There was just, you know, like start. It started with like 20 pages of information that was like essentially bullet point format. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, um, I ran a little playtest and kind of ran it past some people and kind of toyed, you know, just to see like, you know, okay, does this seem interesting to people? Does the system that I put together kind of have any legs? Um, and then it, it did, and I, I continued from there. And then it was like after another, um, another like a couple round, like a couple personal rounds of, of developing and just adding more stuff. And then I did my first play test, and that's when it kind of like we talked. I mentioned earlier that it kind of hit me that like this isn't there's superpowers in here, but this is not a supers game. Yeah, this is about gangsters. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, I think. It, it, it definitely comes across from the the materials I've seen. I'm I'm looking forward to, to having it in my repertoire. Um, I just gotta wait for a payday to come. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but now is it a is it a diceless system? Is it card based? 
Yeah, it's all yeah. playing cards. It's, okay. It uses every every player, the GM included, has their own uh, deck of standard poker style, you know, four suits playing cards um, with two jokers. You keep two jokers in there, and uh, the system is built as kind of a you you've got a certain you know depending on what you're doing, what trade or skill you're dealing with, you've got a certain number of cards you can flip, and you get to flip them one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time you flip one, you can determine you've got the the pip value of the card determines success or failure. The suit of the card determines degree of success or failure, starting at like clubs being the worst alphabetically up to spades. Spades is always best. Um, so you flip you, know, you can flip your first card and and you can stick with that, or you can if you've got like let's say three cards that you can flip for the trait check that you're doing. You could flip a second card, and now that first card is gone. You don't—that's off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could stick with the second one, or you could flip a third one, and, and then the second one's gone too. You just—you you, you only use one card, but it becomes like a little bit of a gambling game. Like you could flip a good, a good result like king, but it could be a king of clubs. So clubs isn't—you know—it's successful, but it's going to be barely successful. So you want a better success? You want—you uh, know—you want to. Maybe flip another card and hope that you get a, a high enough pip value with a better suit. But you could fail. That seems wildly appropriate given the setting. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the the game system turns out to be like you're playing, like every time you make a trick check, you're playing a little, a, a quick little gambling game mm-hmm. for your character. That's, that's, I, that's really cool. Um, it sounds like it plays fast, too. It plays pretty quickly. I mean, it, people. It takes a little bit of getting used to because the the fact that the the pip value and the suit both mean something. Mm-hmm. So you can you can get a very high pip value, and it, you know sometimes it takes a little bit for a person to kind of wrap their head around. Yeah, I got a, a queen. That's really good. But I you know I got one of the bad you know, the worst of the suits. You know I got I got clubs or diamonds, okay. even though queen makes you think it's got to be good. Yeah. Right? Um. But once you kind of wrap your head around that and pay attention, and you kind of you you know you get you get a, a sense of like, well, now you're, you know, you're looking for spades. Spades is always really good. Hearts is pretty good too. Um, it's but you know if you, if you if you flip a, if you flip I'm sorry, what? It's, it's spades is best. Hearts is second best. Yep. Uh, uh, diamonds and then clubs is the worst, right? Correct. It's, I th- I th- I feel like I've seen that in other games too. Yeah, that's that's not uncommon. Okay. Okay, um, that's great. But <laughs> sorry, I was excited because I feel I anytime I wrap my head around a rule, I get excited. But um, I yeah, think it's, all, it's also alphabetical. Yes. Um, and just happily, you know, coincidentally, happily, it works out such that the the low card is clubs, the high card is spades. And then, you know, so the, the black cards are at the top and the bottom and the red cards are in the middle. And the way the system works out is that if you get the high card or the low card with either a failure or, a, you know, with, with it being a failure or a success, it's always, there's always more to it. Like a red is always just like it's success or failure. But with, for example, if you succeed with spades, it's a boon and everything's a little bit better. Um, you know, if you succeed with clubs, it's um, you succeed, but there's a drawback. So there's always like whenever if there's a black card, there's always a little something else. Sure. Some and then the right and then the jokers are split into a good joker and a bad joker, and the good joker is really really good, and the bad joker is really really bad. <laughs> um, I I like that. I'm uh, 
That sounds like a lot of fun. How about that one for, for campaigns? Is that, is that sounds like that game is pretty conducive to running for some time, right? Um, well, it's built like you can progress your characters. Um, I think you could, you know, you can pretty easily run a, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15 session campaign. Yeah. You could run, you could run longer, but you, you just end up not progressing your character as quickly. You know, you might have to go quite a few sessions between it's kind of up to the, you know, it's, there's no, uh, there's no XP system. No, like you're not tracking experience points or something. It's kind of a milestone. Like when the GM feels like it's okay, now it's time for everybody to, to advance. Yeah. Um, and gain some additional powers or increase their powers or get a new skill or it's sure. all, it's all, it's all a kind of a point based system. That's that. Is, I, I, so, so right there, we've got two very different games. And of course now I'm going to ask, I want to ask you about, um, uh, the game that, uh, at the time this is released has been, uh, kickstarted, two days prior die laughing um, because this seems like a very different game. again. <laughs> yeah. I keep doing that. I like, <laughs> um, yeah. Die laughing is die laughing is very, is, is quite a bit different from the other two. The other two are pretty traditional. Um, there's, you know, they're smaller scale than some of the really, really robust games out there, but they're fairly traditional um, role-playing games. There's a GM and, you've, and a group of players, um, you have a character with traits and skills and the special abilities and all sorts of things. Um, and um, Die Laughing is, is is like a short play. It plays out in about an hour or two. Completely GMless um, horror comedy game where everybody portrays a character in a horror comedy movie. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the buy-in when you play the game is that everybody's going to die. Okay. <laughs> You might survive the movie. Your character might survive, but probably not. Okay. Um, and so you're just you're kind of in it for that, right? It's just a question of when it's going to happen and uh, can you make it really funny and really memorable. Um, and then once your character is gone, you become a producer on the movie and you continue to influence the story to the end. <laughs> so you, you mess around with... Uh, with uh, certain things that are happening in the scenes and you can uh, kind of screw with the other players a little bit <laughs> that's right like that one of my biggest complaints ever about uh uh horror games and this is more trad horror games i guess is yeah. you know when your character dies well go go away now <laughs> or or well make another character or play an npc that was introduced earlier or yeah it kind of it removes the sting the it removes the importance of the character death a little bit and that was that's actually i mean that idea that that if you've got a horror game where characters are actually going to die as opposed to a mood kind of thriller type of horror game mm-hmm. um, that that's one of the that's that's one of the downsides it's like what do you do when you kill off characters um, yeah. And so I, you know, it, I, I toyed around with this game idea for quite a few years. It's, it's gone through different iterations of finding different, like, what, what can I do that doesn't just turn into, well, play another character? Mm-hmm. What, what, can the, what can the people with a dead character or a zombified character or whatever do for the rest of the story? Um, and in this particular iteration of kind of trying to figure that out, I hit on the movie the, you know, the movie making idea and turned it into that. And I was like, oh, well, there's other people involved in making a movie. Um, 
So there's the, you know, there, when you play the game, there's a lead character for each scene, there's a director and that all kind of rotates around. And then when your character's gone, you're a producer. And so that sounds you, like you, you, you play a few different roles um, along with just playing your character. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I, so I guess, I guess from an, from an overall standpoint um, with, with the stuff that you create, um, you know, you're, you're not, it's clear that you want, you, you enjoy the, the process of developing a system for, to kind of answer a question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is yeah. That, is that appropriate? Yeah. Well, yeah, with mergers and acquisitions, that was just like, well, I'm going to make my own system because it's a challenge to me. I've never, des- I've never designed a system that's been successful. Um, <laughs> I've, I've designed systems, believe me. I think a lot of, a lot of gamers have. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I did that. And then with, with Capers, I went through the process of like, you know, is there a licensed, licensable system that would work, that would do the job for this project? You know, could I take... Murders, the, the murders and acquisition system, and maybe refine that and build that into something. And then I hit on the card thing, and then die laughing. Of course, is very very simple. It uses its own system as well. I mean, it's got like you know this incredibly simple dice mechanic that like it's a dice mechanic. You roll a bunch of dice, and it does two things. That's the whole mechanic system. <laughs> yeah, and that's. Uh... Uh, well, it, and but I think I love that. I like that that you're you're essentially saying um, my idea is X. To drive that, I will utilize, uh, you know, the like see what see what I want that that to look like, and then you end up with um, three remarkably uh, variate variant games, all three of which are you know are great for a, a gamer to have handy um, because, uh, you know, they, they each do something different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, will I reuse one of the systems for another game? Maybe will I? I think, I think the Capers system has legs. I think mm-hmm. the, the card flipping system, I think I could do things with that for other genres and other types of games. Um, I've, I've tinkered with the idea with another, you know, I've tinkered with another idea but using that system and uh, and developing you know one or two other subsystems that are kind of built from the cards, uh, the playing card kind of thing to to do something else you know something that Capers didn't need to do but this other game idea does need to do. Okay. So, but um, that's all very rudimentary right now. Um, that. So, so you've essentially built yourself your own own toolkit that you can utilize yeah. for other things. Brilliant! That's genius. Oh, and I I released you know, the, the the Capers system, the the game system for that has been released under Creative Commons. Oh, cool! Um, so I've you know I've, I've I've already got like I know of a few different people that are that are considering hacking it into something. Um, so you know by all means, like I'd I'd, I'd like to see what people hack the game system into if they just want to create new setting information or new characters and just use the rules and that's cool but if they're going to you know if they're going to hack it and kind of play around with like how the playing card thing works and kind of find subsystems that work within that um that mechanical system uh, that's cool by all means please do so because i can steal those things (laughs) (laughs) 
that's, that's um, what Creative Commons is all about, right? That's, yeah, I can I, I can take that that oh, oh that's kind of neat. I like that. Well, I'll take that and I'll just twist this thing over here, yeah. and it'll do what I needed to do for this other game. Yeah, that's uh that's a that's a cool uh, well that's the. It, you know this this era of game design is there. There's so much variation out there, um, and it feels like it feels like Dungeons and Dragons is becoming a a uh, you know a, a mainstream thing. I guess it is. It's um, not becoming. It is. It is. It yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it is. Yeah. Um, when that, when when Critical Role can fill up like how many what what did they just do recently? They were at some huge auditorium space. Yeah. And it was ridiculous. Thousands and thousands of seats. They had to turn people away. It's it's mainstream. Yeah, That's it's not you know it's not necessarily big mainstream. You know it's not something that everybody knows about, but it's certainly mainstream at this point. It's it it well it, it I guess I would compare it to like, you know, if if you were to compare it to sports, it would maybe be you know one of the the, the lesser sports that still has a major following like you know, soccer in the U S or something like that. Um, where, you know, there's, there's people that, that will get into it. And, um, I enjoy that. I mean, I, it's exciting because, you know, when I say, you know, Oh yeah, I play role playing games. Oh, like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Oh, cool. Can you teach me how to play? Yeah, sure. You know, um, yeah. it's people that I never would have expected have, have that interest, which is really cool. Um, what's great about, what you're doing and a lot of, of um, uh, uh, non-traditional game designers. Um, well, indie, 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 indie designers, all those indie, yeah. people slaving away and their you know, in their homes in, in part time and all that. Yeah. 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 I, 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 for whatever reason, I've never really enjoyed the term indie and I don't know why. But because, because there's no good definition to it. I can yeah. tell you why. I mean, that's that's the issue that like I don't I shouldn't say I have an issue with it. I just it's it's an it's a it's a thing that I recognize is an issue for some people is sure. indie doesn't mean anything because it actually kind of means everything. Right. Well that's I mean, I mean, it means everything that isn't the big companies. That, that's, that's a, too, and that's too broad for for, for some folks. It's in that, that's such a valid point too, yeah. Um I use the another term that I don't like, non-traditional, which is yeah. which is also crap. <laughs> but um, you know, until until uh, until we come up with with better terms to define that, I guess we're stuck with what we have. But at the same time, like you know, I can say, um, uh, you know, if if people are like, um, oh, I want to play D and D or something. You know, I actually uh, what I've been keeping in my bag recently is um, uh, Doctor Magnet Hands, I think it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I and I've kind of started collecting these like mini games and stuff that I can like. Yeah, this isn't D and D, but it's it kind of ticks some of the same boxes. Which I also noticed that on uh, Nerd Burger you have a bunch of micro games um, that uh, that I did not look through. Um, but I did open up the page, and I occasionally have been glancing at my computer as we talk. And- sure, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, the micro games are just like you know. I came up with like this weird little idea that it allows me to like explore some weird concept for a game and 
try out like this one mechanic, you know, like one game mechanic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, or and sometimes it's not even so much trying out the game mechanic as I- idea. It's just like I've got this neat idea for like a little improvisational thing. I just need it's like it's going to take a page or two to to describe. It's it's just a structure for improvising a story and maybe maybe you roll a couple dice, you know. Well, like for example, Plane Crash Confessional. <laughs> yeah. I this is this is why the this is this is the one that I keep looking at. Um oh, this is in my uh it's in one of my wish lists. Um but I I do improv. I do comedy improv and uh sure. I could see this being an exercise at a at a rehearsal. You know, it's it's such an interesting concept for that. Um and it's 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 very impro- like I've I've taken improv classes. I've I've done improv stuff. Um, and it's very much like like that 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 could easily be an improv game that you perform that you do yeah. you know at a at an improv class because it actually has, I mean it's quite literally you start telling a story and you have to incorporate a particular prompt into the story, yeah. and then the next person tells their own story and they have to choose one of like just a few prompts that they have to pick and use in there or or you can force them you're like here you have to take this one. Um, and, and it's just like a couple of words that you have to work into and to, to, to describe the, the, what the game is. It's like the, the, the concept of the game is everybody that's playing it is on board an airplane as there's trouble and it's the plane starts to go down. So everybody starts confessing all of the horrible and, and stupid and ridiculous and embarrassing things that they did um, to get things off their chest. And so plane crash confessional and, uh, and there's a you know there's a bunch of prompts built into the mechanics of the game. There's no there's not even really dice. It's just a, a improvisational storytelling thing. And there's like a bingo card looking thing, and you kind of work your way around the board and use different prompts. Um, and then you know at the end, the plane levels out and <laughs> everybody <laughs> survives. And you know, I think in 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 the in the game rules, it's described as like you know, and everyone looks at each other uncomfortably. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I, I and and um, it, it reminds me of um, uh, the almost famous. Yeah, yeah, and and it happens in Seinfeld as well. Oh, it does, doesn't it? It happens in a couple. Yeah, yeah. That's when George admits to um, that he cheated during the contest. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's happened on a few. Like that's that's a sitcom. It's kind of a sitcom staple. Like yeah, the the confessional thing has happened on a few on a few shows. Yeah, it is a little bit of a trope, and it's basically you you gamify. You took a trope and kind of gamified it, which yeah. I love. That's a, that's a cool idea. Um, I, ga- I gamified a uh, little devil. Little devil. Little angel is just a gamified um, literary trope. Oh yeah, look at that. It's uh, uh you you tell a, a group of people tells a story you all each each person plays a character um there's a little setup in the beginning that kind of helps you to set up like what your character's relationship is and what the story's about and then you just role play it out and whenever your character has to make an important decision in the story whenever you have anything that like really is like an important you know, like and it's you know kind of judgment call like what's important yeah um but when you've got an important decision to make you 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 call for close up and the person on your left portrays the little devil on your shoulder and the person on your right portrays the little angel on your shoulder and they give you advice about what you have to do. That's amazing. Um, and you have to choose one of those two and there's a little dice mechanic thing that happens that might skew it the other direction. Um, and then that's what you do. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then you continue the story and everybody has to do, you know, close up at some, at least once at, at some point or another. It's, I, I feel like, Craig, I feel like you're the, you're the, the dude that's like, um, like other people have ideas and you just make something like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, like I might be on TV tropes and go, Oh, that's a really cool trope. Boy, I'd like to do something with that. And then just, it flits away from my, my, uh, my, my, my OCD brain very rapidly. Um, uh, no, not OCD, ADD. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not actually, well, I've never been diagnosed with that, but, um, yeah, I, I, I get it. You just kind of lose track of it because there's, you know, it's the society, it's the world we live in. There's just so much. Yeah. that it's easy to lose track of like, I had, I had this idea. What was it? I don't know. I'm, I'm on to, you know, I'm watching three hours of Breaking Bad. I'm good. <laughs> Um, very cool. What's, uh, what, what stuff, uh, outside of the stuff that you create, what do you like to play? Oh man, I'm trying to play more indie stuff and it's a little hard. I have a hard time finding, um, people to get together and play indie stuff. Just even just like one shots. I'm trying to organize kind of that kind of stuff. I had uh, some luck last year with, um, a few people nearby here. Um, and we got together and played, um, a few things we played, uh, Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse with Derek Kamal, um, who lives like right down the road from me, um, guy from Shoreless Skies, um, who, uh, for the record, Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse, that is to say, silver any award-winning Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse <laughs> um, from this past year's uh, Gen Con. Oh, I voted um, for him. Yeah. Um, and we played a few other games. We played uh, we played a pillion at one point and, and some stuff. And... Uh, uh, that kind of petered out when both of us kind of were dealing with Kickstarters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but it's starting back up again, and there's some other people in the area. So I think I think I'm going to have like at the very least like a monthly like one, uh, indie game one shot thing where we'll be getting together and multiple people will bring games and we'll pick up we'll pick what we want to play. We might we'll, we'll split you know depending on how many people show up we'll split into a few different tables um, and play. I was playing D and D quite a bit, but I've I've bowed out of that game because I found myself. You know, there and it, it it it's it sucks a little bit because the people that I was playing with are friends of mine, mm-hmm. um, and but I was like you know, I was getting my gaming fix. There was like I my playing you know playing games. It's like I'm I go play D and D and I feel like oh okay I played some gaming good, good on you Craig you're a game designer you should play games, <laughs> um but I'm playing D and D and I'm just like I'm I've I've played so much D and D and I need to play other things so, um. I know that feeling very well. I want I want very badly to uh, to to play a few more um, Powered by the Apocalypse games because I find that system fascinating. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll ever design something in it because it seems like <laughs> from what I've from what I've seen is that like designing a designing your playset you know the the, the playset playbook um, and moves for Powered by the Apocalypse stuff is like. It's easy to design, but it's incredibly difficult to design well. Yeah, like it's it's like the, just the nuance that is in every little move and just how it makes that move just the right thing for that type of character. Um, well, seems like it would be it would, seems like it would be quite a challenge. Well, like Phil Vecchione from uh, Misdirected Mark, he's been working. You know, he's finally at Ashcan for his game Hydra Hackers, which he, yeah. he's been working on that for. 
I mean, he's literally been working on that so long that um, I think he was he was in the early playtest stages when I heard about the group, and now I'm actually doing podcasts for them. So like, <laughs> he's been working with them so long that I was able to get up off my ass and actually hang out with those these guys. <laughs> like, you know, um, it's a uh, yeah, the Apocalypse World stuff is is. Um, have you played actual Apocalypse World? Um, the actual Apocalypse World game, no. Yeah. Um, I played a, a modified version of that, uh, which I actually talk about a little bit on the on the episode just before this. Um, but uh, it's I enjoy playing it. I enjoy the process of just being able to sit down and just play through a few games. Um, I've run some some Dungeon World and stuff like that, and it's nice to be able to say. Like, yeah, I want to do a bunch of short campaigns or I want to do some one shots or something like that. Um, however, I'm jealous of you because I wanted to play. Uh, I, I, I always call it Epion because I. Epion. Yeah. But I think you said it the proper way. I'm not even sure. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I'm American. I said it phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's got a. A different pronunciation if like like one of those letters is silent or pronounced a different way or something but okay. yeah it's the it's the event the, the game where you play uh you play dragons yeah. um, in like that's, a dragon society that's so cool um and i've been dying to play that but every time i bring that up to my group they're like oh well, yeah but we well, got pathfinder <laughs> yeah that's that's that happens a lot yeah well we we recently shored up we, I, this is the thing I haven't talked about at all. Uh, we recently shored up what we're playing because we're doing just too many things. And, and the, the three main GMs, myself and my two friends, were kind of like all over the place with games. And um, what was decided upon was um, a customized version of Mutants and Masterminds uh, that is... Uh, horror setting set in Victorian England with like steampunk elements. Okay. Um, a uh, Star Trek campaign uh, and using the new Star Trek system. Um, and then uh, my game, here's me complaining about fantasy all the time. And I'm basically running uh, using, using a, a, a system that's in play test actually right now. Um, but I'm running a spell jammer campaign. Uh, we're going <laughs> yeah. through a, um, a Pathfinder uh, adventure path. So <laughs> here's the here's the guy always complaining about fantasy, and I just made the fantasiest fantasy of fantasies. <laughs> Spelljammer. Oh man. Oh, oh man, I'm so excited about this this project, but. Um, but I get to I get to finish up while I'm working on it. I get to finish up the super can superhero campaign that I just improvised and, and came up with a story for for somehow. Um, so at least I get to get my super on, uh, which is which is always fun. But um, now now are, are already new ideas percolating? Um, well, I'm I given that Capers did pretty well Kickstarter wise, at least for you know my you know, to, for my gauge personally, because I'm just like one dude um, doing this part time. Um, I thought, you know, 
okay, I'm going to give it a shot. Can I do a supplement? Because game lines are a little dicey when it comes to um, indie indie stuff, small, sure. you know, where, where you've got a kind of a small audience. Um, because a supplement never sells as well as the core book. You, people do supplements in order to drive sales of the core book, and sometimes it does, and sometimes it's just like, oh, the people who got the core book um, who are interested in more stuff get the supplement, and then that's kind of bleh. You know, that's all the further it goes. Um, and so who knows? Maybe we'll see. But I'm, I'm working on um, – I actually – today I finished the writing of um, – the first draft of Capers Noir, um, which will be um, a supplement for Capers that'll go into playtest as soon as I write an adventure um, <laughs> to use for playtesting. <laughs> um, that uh, takes the 1920s setting of Capers and takes it into the 1940s, and um, and it's no longer prohibition, so it's not about um, gangsters, um, you know, selling illegal alcohol. There's, it's it's still a gangster, you know, it's still a criminals and, and law enforcement game, mm-hmm. um, but it refocuses a little bit into a noir setting with also a horror element that's built into it. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's like ghosts and, and stuff. Cool. In, in a noir game. Oh, so I'm going to give that a, I'm going to give that a run on pl- uh, through a play test. And, you know, I don't know how many rounds, a couple rounds, maybe of play testing because it's, you know, it's, it uses the basic core set of sure. the game. So it's really the, the play testing is to like, make sure that uh, make sure that the setting is interesting and all the stuff there, people will kind of like that. Um, and then there's a few kind of rules, expansion stuff like investigation rules mm-hmm. so that you can run a mystery um, and, so, and a few other things. Uh, see how that looks and I'll give it a shot and we'll do like a 50 or so page supplement. Um, you know, it'll, I'll do a Kickstarter. It'll be, you know, 50 pages PDF or soft cover and see if it's like, okay, do I just get like <clears throat> a certain percentage of the capers backers um, who pick it up or does, you know, cause you know, if you do a, kick, a Kickstarter like that, you also have a backer level that allows you to get the capers book. Sure. A little cheaper. So, like, will that turn into more capers sales? Will I actually entice people into, like, um, you know, expanding the capers audience in general? Or will it just kind of, like, you know, sell 100 people who wanted some more stuff? <laughs> and then <laughs> I've got ideas for two more um, supplements, but it's going to – it's really going to depend on how this first one does because it's got to it's gotta be worth the time and effort yeah. um, and kind of get a little bit of uh, – of benefit out of it other than just, uh, you know, okay, I made a cool thing and a hundred people bought it, but if it can actually help to expand the capers audience and, uh, the Nerdburger games fan base in general, um, then, uh, yeah, maybe there needs to be, uh, a second, maybe a third. I've got the basic idea and I, I live on a major street, everybody. So yes, there are, there are sirens occasionally here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just like, uh, you know, I've got a couple other ideas. I know, I know what those other supplements would be. I've, you know, outlined some things, but I haven't started writing anything. I'm going to see how this one does. See if it's, uh, if it's worth the hassle, <laughs> if it's well, worth the time and effort. I, you know, I think, I, th- I think, um, you know, when you come up with, with such a specific, uh, uh, setting as, um, as, as capers, the idea of developing in a different 
you know, different time periods is just, is, is such a perfect way to supplement that, that content. Um, I love that idea. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about that idea. I think it's pretty interesting too. And I think like, you know, this, the third or the, you know, the second supplement would take it another 20 years into the future. And then the third one gets a little weird. <laughs> um. <laughs> so there you go, everybody. Uh, Keep supporting Craig, and he'll come up with that super weird one. Um, (laughs) Is it? it, Do you kind of have this like like meta plot in mind that that kind of coalesces in that, or is it is it just kind of you know? No, just some cool ideas I put together. Well, it's there's there's a little bit of a meta plot to it. It has the meta plot is in how capers are perceived by society. Okay, and how and how they are uh, how they are uh, dealt with. In capers, in the core game, it's prohibition. Caper, the the characters that have abilities haven't really been around all that long, and they're kind of treated like tabloid superstars. You know, they're like they sell they sell newspapers because it's uh-huh. like, oh my god, this person did this thing, um, this this amazing feat, um, and so that's kind of the the setup for that. But then in capers noir, um, there's World War II has happened, and there have been people with superpowers involved in the fighting, and there are story. I mean, there's devastation, absolutely, you know, like destruction and death and all that. World War II, it's World War II, but it's even it's it it's even more so, and it's perceived as like, well, you know, not only is the world like killing itself, but these people can do that so efficiently yeah or at least some of them can so there starts to be sort of a backlash and there's a there's a, a growing fear of people with uh superhuman abilities that's fantastic by the time you get to the 60s the idea for that is that um that that version is actually referred to as cape is called tentatively titled capers covert where it's um you are either you you are either registered with the government or you are a rogue element oh uh, you can't see my eyes because this is an audio medium, but they went wide when you said covert <laughs> because that sounds that sounds wonderful. Um, and the the theme, the thematic element behind that too, uh, links into the covert thing because it's uh, it's the 60s, so the the spin there um, is it's still again criminals and law enforcement, but it's James Bond style stuff. Yeah. With superpowers, yeah, yeah Danger Man's the gadget wow. rules. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing. Um, well, I'm very excited uh, to see um, what you, what you've got coming out. Everybody should should support Die Laughing. Everybody support Die Laughing. <laughs> um, Absolutely, it, everyone. <laughs> it definitely seems like something that'll go in my my little package of of uh, games. Although I I'm gonna be probably picking up a bunch of many, many micro games, um, and we have to meet at a convention sometimes so I can get your card and get the game that's on your your business card. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've got a. I designed a game on the back of my business card. Do you? Oh, do you have any convention appearances coming up? Um, I'm going to be at a catacon. Okay. In uh, beginning of the what the ninth through the eleventh of November. Awesome. Uh, the second weekend in November. Um, and then beyond that, I'm very much up in the air. I'm pretty sure I'll be at Gen Con next year, um, but I don't know what I'm going to do for any of the other. St- 
convention situation other than probably they'll you know I'll do a couple of local things because they're easy and I can sure. stay at home and sleep at sleep in my bed. That's um, but as far as traveling for stuff, it's gonna we'll, we'll have to see because this year I went to quite a few conventions and spent quite a lot of money and uh, blew through a lot of vacation time. So <laughs> I have to be I have to I have to kind of rein that in next year unless I want to. Uh, you know, hit next, hit the hit the end of next year, and actually like be in the hole on vacation time accrued, and you know, I, I just don't want to be there. And it's, you know, going to conventions costs money, uh, so I have to be probably a little more picky next year than this year. Yeah, it's funny. Nobody's nobody's uh, financing us just going to conventions yet. So I say yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and you know, I've 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 been invited to a couple where I've been a guest and I've gotten my room comped kind of thing. So it's just it's you know it just becomes the travel. So that helps. That's good. I like that. But you know, still a plane ticket's a plane ticket. Right. Um. You know, or driving six hours is driving six hours. Right. You know, so it, it eats up time or money or sometimes both. Well, uh, folks can follow you, and and it'll all be in the the links, and I'll do a whole thing after that. But uh, just. For the record, what's your Twitter? I am at NerdBurgerCraig. Perfect. Um, and uh, and the tradition on the lounge is that we uh, we tell all the lounge lizards out there to stay classy. Would you care to do the honors? Hey, lounge lizards. This is Craig from NerdBurger Games reminding you that it's cool to stay classy. That was wonderful. <laughs> Yes, lounge lizards. That was Craig Campbell, and uh, we we had a great conversation, right? I got a few more coming up for you, so um, so, so stay tuned. Uh, the rest of the year is pretty busy, um, and I got some some great convos coming up. Might have a special one here or there somewhere. Hey, you can find Craig. On Twitter at NerdBurgerCraig. Check out NerdBurgerGames.com and check out Die Laughing. It's kickstarting right now. Um, and you know what? Go pick up Capers. Capers is really cool. I enjoy I enjoy Capers a lot. The Lounge, as it turns out, is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. I'm Jesse Doc Ballinger. I'm Edmund. I'm here all the time, almost every time. Hey, there's some other shows. Um, in fact, I really want you to go check out the Gnomecast. Several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together and talk about the gaming topic, a gaming topic, and themselves for a bit in an effort to avoid being thrown into the stew and entertain you. So that's what this whole network is about, entertaining. Isn't that great? I try to be entertaining. Um, I'm going to thank a, a three three patrons. I'm trying to just narrow it down. Um, Scott Robinson, the Duke of Dimensional Paradox. Merrick Blackman, the Royal D&D Reviewer. And GM Gerrymander. Hey, Jerry. The Lord of the After Show. The music you're listening to is And So It Begins by Artificial Music. And it's just about to... Stop. Look at that. 
Me, you can find me at Doc Palindrome everywhere. Just anywhere you you find Doc Palindrome. So um, go check that out. And um, oh, and of course, I'm gonna reiterate. Uh, Bree is uh, his his Kickstarter is official now. Turn is out there. So go go check that out um, while you're you're checking out Craig's stuff. So die laughing, turn, and you know anything anything I talk about is cool, right? Listen, you've been great as always. Be nice to yourself. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you next time on The Lounge.